Alright guys, welcome back in the Battle for the Bluegrass Podcast. This is episode 18 coming at you again this week. It's been a big week. We had UK and Louisville football, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, before we take a deep dive into all this stuff, as always, I got Dustin Cordell with me again this week. What's up, Dustin? How you been, buddy? I'm doing good, man. A little under the weather, but bear with me. Hopefully you can bear with the uh, the congestion sound. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but I'm excited. Football, baby. It is back. I just got back from my little girl's basketball practice. Somehow I got talked into being the assistant coach for a fourth and fifth grade girls team. And uh, not to say that it's beneath my level, but it's a new challenge. I've never coached girls and I've never coached kids this young. So it's been a challenge, but uh, we're we're going we're getting through it. I, I haven't lost my sanity yet. I've came close a couple times, but anyway, that's that's where I'm at. Let's just jump right into it. We had football this past weekend, and it is Labor Day weekend, or it was Labor Day weekend last weekend. So UK played Toledo on Saturday, and Louisville played Notre Dame on Monday, actual Labor Day. But let's look at the UK Toledo game first. UK comes out on top of that one. It was a little bit nip and tuck right in the beginning, but UK pulled away. I won't say late, but second half they pulled away in this game. But what's your big takeaways from this game, Dustin? What did you see there? Well, first of all, if you remember last podcast, I predicted a 35-21 to 21 Kentucky win. I was off by field goal for each team. But what I said is it would be close early. But Kentucky's offensive and defensive line, I said, would wear on Toledo till towards the end of the game. They would be they would be wore down. That's when we would come out. And, dude, that's, that's pretty much exactly what happened. But I was very disappointed in the first half. Uh, Terry Wilson only passed it, I think, seven times the entire half. Only had 53 passing yards. Uh, running game was doing okay. Defense were me. Secondary got absolutely destroyed a few times. But then they settled in, and man, they took away. My biggest takeaway was, uh, you know, we're going, we're going, obviously missing Benny, but that three-headed monster looked pretty good. I wanted to see, uh, I wanted to see Terry Wilson running a little more than what he did. It seemed like every time he had the option to, to tuck it or, or hand off or take it, he handed it off every time. Got his running back killed once. I don't know if he's trying to prove he can pass it or what, but for Kentucky to be top Kentucky, we need Terry Wilson to be able to run the ball too, and he just he didn't try to run the ball. Well, what I saw from Terry, and I don't disagree with, with you at all, I think Terry has to run the ball. The only concern I had was uh, that I mentioned last week was the injury, injury concerns, especially when you get an SEC play, but uh, I mean, I don't feel like I'm being a hater here, but I wasn't very impressed with the way he threw the ball. I thought he missed some easy throws. Statistic-wise, looked fine, but there were some really wide-open throws. I remember that crossing route that he missed to Ali, wide open. I mean, he just overthrew him. I, I mean, I have no idea why that was. I mean, it, it was week one, so we'll give him a pass on that. But if his accuracy doesn't improve, it's going to be a long season. Well, he, uh, you know, his his percentages were good, nineteen of twenty, uh, nineteen of twenty-seven, I think it was. Uh, but he, uh, like you just said, he had one man. If he hit all either, there was probably a touchdown, and he badly overthrew him. He skipped another one on the ground on the little short pass, just I mean, completely skipped it on the ground. Uh, so the, the missed passes didn't look good. But overall, I was okay. You know, he had almost uh, he had almost two hundred passing yards in the second half. Uh, but my one of my, I guess my biggest takeaway would be our wide receivers. I was really worried about them. Very inexperienced, other than Bowden. Uh, Bowden had to leave the game for a long. Time. Still had 77 yards receiving, 
But Amon Wagner, the kid who played Iowa, played basketball for the University of Iowa two years ago, transferred to Kentucky to play wide receiver, a six six wide out. Five catches, uh, had fifty seven yards catching. Uh, you know, at one point, man, five of his seven pass uh passes thrown his way was called pass interference on the defense. This guy's a monster. He's huge. Six six, big old built guy. Uh, but they all the wide receivers made plays. I didn't see a single drop. And over the last seven, eight years, man, that's been Kentucky's biggest issue is receivers dropping passes. Uh, you've seen uh, uh, Bryce Oliver, the freshman, make a fantastic catch in the end zone. Bowden made a, a spectacular, you know, ball thrown behind him, turned around and caught it. Uh, Wagner made a great catch. I mean, it was just they looked good. Uh, the defense, you know, like I said, the second half they settled in. And Eccles, the junior tra- college transfer, uh, I think you'll see him starting the rest of the year. I thought he'd start from the beginning, but he was hurt for most of the uh, fall camp. But when he got put in the game, he had three pass breakups, played really good. Uh, Another big thing that stood out to me was third down efficiency for UK. Like their third down efficiency was not very good on Saturday. That has to improve. Yeah, it's hard when you get yourself in a position they was in. I mean, Logan Stenberg supposed to be our best offensive lineman right now, him and Lyndon Young. But Stenberg, man, was he had three or four uh, false starts. He had a, a legal hands to the face penalty. We had a a thirty a thirty or forty yard pass come back. No, it was a fifty yard gain on a pass called back because Stenberg with the hands to the uh, illegal hands to the face. Uh, it, it was mostly due to being behind the chains. It wasn't third and short. It was always third and long. You know, third and eight or more. That that was the issue. It's hard to uh, to convert on those, uh, man. I, but you know, like I said in the second half, I really thought they settled down. Uh, Square DeAndre Square was the absolute standout on defense. Had eleven tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, half a sack, and his interception he had was was incredible. He tipped the pass, tipped it to himself, and took it. And uh, he was actually. Uh, Kurt Herbstreit's top defensive performer of the week in the nation. Well, what about your boy, uh, Cavassier Smoke, with seven carries and 78 touchdowns, or 78 touchdowns, seven carries, 78 yards, and a touch? Oh, oh yeah. Dude, again, there's no better name of football. I don't care anybody. <laughs> but, man, he looks good. He's a smaller guy. As far as stature, he's smaller. But he's big old broad guy. I mean, and he's quick, man. You'd be you're if you watched that forty yard touchdown run he had, you'd be surprised by his quickness. It's to be the 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 size he is, he's really fast. But I think you know he was the top runner, only seven carries, <coughs> but seventy eight yards off of seven carries. I think you see his carries start going up more and more. I thought Rodriguez looked fine. He only had thirty four yards, but the biggest issue with him was fumbles. He fumbled the ball twice. Got to get that under control. Uh, but you know, Rose had 64 yards. I think our running back's done fine, and I think uh, you'll see them get more more adjusted to it as they go along. Who do you think the starter is by the end of the year? I think they stay with Rose. Uh, a big key for Rose is he's the best probably blocking running back out of the backfield on pass plays where the running back is not going to go out for a pass. Uh, he's one of the most experienced. So I, I think you see him starting you know, even by the end of the year, all year long. But I think you see more and more smoke. It becomes – I think you see the touches get more more and more level between the three instead of being uh, – because, again, Rose had 
16 carries, I think it was, and 64 yards. So he got the bulk of the carries. But I think you start seeing that get more and more equal. But I think Rolls will still be your your go-to running back. Let's just look at look, look ahead at uh, Kentucky's game this week. They've got Eastern Michigan coming up this Saturday, 7.30 SEC Network. Uh, they are 1-0. As you mentioned before the podcast, uh, they gave UK a little bit of trouble last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're not a horrible team. Kentucky should win. We're favored by 14 and a half. And I was right last week because you thought you was like you even said it when I said it. You should think Kentucky could cover the spread, and I did. And they actually did. I think Kentucky covers the spread this week too. Uh, the game, yeah, they played Coastal Carolina. They won, uh, but it wasn't on their offense. I mean, they had uh, Coastal Carolina's quarterback threw four interceptions. Uh, East Eastern. Uh, was it Eastern Michigan? Yeah. Their their quarterback was 20 of 22, so his accuracy was dead on, but it was all Deacon Dunks, man. He only had 188 passing yards off of uh, 20, 20 completions. Uh, he did have three TDs, but a lot of them, like I said, was short field uh, off of the turnovers. So they had less than 200 yards passing, and uh, only, they had less than 300 total yards of offense. So I think that bodes well for Kentucky. Uh and uh, Coastal Carolina's quarterback threw 300-something yards. So, I, 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 you know, while I guess technically it could be surprising, I, I got to take a shot at Tennessee. Who thought Georgia State would beat them? So there's always going to be a surprise, I guess. Maybe they could give Kentucky fits. But I think Kentucky, again, covers the spread. Let's jump back and talk about just one more thing. Week one, what's your grade for UK? I give it a ah, – I give it a solid B, B plus. I, I can't go much higher than that because I know it was early, first game, first uh, first game jitters, I guess. But the first half, I was not impressed with at all. I was very disappointed in the first half. I didn't see improvements in Terry at all in the first half. Second half, I did before people start to jump on my crap and tell me how crazy I am. Second half, I seen a lot improve, but first half, I didn't. So I would give it a solid. I'll, I'll go ahead and say a B plus. Because Toledo is not a bad team. That's something a lot of people don't understand. They hear the name Toledo, but Toledo is not a bad team at all. I think they're picked to finish first or second in the MAC, which is not SCC or ACC or nothing. But the MAC is a decent, a de- decent conference. Yeah, I mean Toledo is not, like you said, they're not a bad team. I think a big thing with Toledo was the fact that they kind of lost their starting quarterback, and I'm not saying they would have won the game or anything, but. Um, I will say this: They didn't look like the same team after their second, their second string quarterback came in. I didn't think, um, but UK came out, got the W, got the win. I probably wouldn't go B plus. I I probably go B, B B minus, just because statistics wise Terry was okay, um, but the eye test, I I honestly expected more out of him. I thought he would take a bigger step forward as far as being able to make the throws that I wanted to see him make. And I know I sound like a hater on Terry, but I'm not. I just have high expectations. Like I I feel like with Benny Snell stepping away, you know, him and Bowden are going to really have to carry the load, especially through that gauntlet uh, of the SEC. So I think they played fine, but, you know, week one, not going to be too harsh on them. But – I think they have to improve moving forward to get, obtain that that seven and five record, probably eight and four. 
eight and four get it right it's not seven and five it's eight and four i couldn't remember but, which one you picked but at this point man you take some of the other games i'll take it i mean we could be we could have been arkansas squeezing by nobody we could have been missouri getting beat by wyoming pretty handedly we could have been uh you know there's several other ones we could have been we could have been uh mississippi state barely won could have been South Carolina who got beat by North Carolina who only won three games last year. And worst of all, we could have been Tennessee who got beat by Georgia State. <laughs> so I'll take it. I'm, I'm pretty happy. Well, we can't get past this podcast without letting you gloat a little bit about Tennessee going down to Georgia State. Go ahead, sir. The floor is yours. Boys, I couldn't be happier, I'm telling you. my most People that know me know I live in Tennessee. I married a Tennessee girl. Uh, she's a Tennessee fan. She was so mad at me. She's telling me to go to the room, get away, because I, I can't keep my mouth shut with that. I have to. I am. My oldest son's just as bad. But how in the world do you lose to Georgia State at home? Paid them $950,000 to come kick their tail. And I am sorry, they kicked their tail. Uh, Tennessee scored late off of a turnover on uh, uh, Georgia State that even made the game close. I mean, Georgia State put a whipping on those boys. I love every minute of it. Working in Tennessee, getting to tea. I, I'm telling everybody I didn't even see the score. I'm lying to them. I'm like, hey, man, I, I didn't even see the Tennessee game. Who won that game? Like, I don't even know. It's just it's hilarious to me. I love it. God. I mean, perfect weekend for you. Kentucky <laughs> wins and Tennessee gets embarrassed. We want to talk a little Louisville now? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. On Labor Day, uh, yesterday as we record this, uh, Louisville took on Notre Dame, or actually Notre Dame came down to Louisville. First impressions of this game, I will say this. Kudos to uh, to Louisville, the fan base. Kudos to them for getting out and supporting the team. Broke a home record uh, as far as attendance went. You know, after a 2-10 two and and abysmal year last year, you know, to see the fan base get out there and get behind this team with a new coaching staff, Notre Dame coming to town. Hats off to them. I really appreciate them getting behind this team. This team needed it. Uh, with that being said, I thought they came out and they performed better than I expected, especially on defense. Um, but, my God, you just cannot fumble the ball three times, Puma Pass. You just cannot do that. And and Scott Satterfield said in his interview after the game that he was just blown away by that because Puma never fumbles the ball in practice ever. So I don't know if it was if it was a nerves thing or it was like a quicksand thing. By that I mean just you know once the first one happened you just get in your own head about it. But it was it was awful. I'm not saying they would have won. I don't think they would have won. But if you don't have those three fumbles, that's a ball game. I'm optimistic moving forward. I don't think they're going to be as bad as I thought they were going to be. I think they could get more than three or four wins. It's possible. I still say four wins probably right now. I would adjust that to from three to four, but it just it all falls on what Jawan Pass can do. Can Jawan Pass get the ball down the field? Can he stretch the field? Because right now, I mean he he's he's just not he's just not stretching the field at all. And if he can't if he can't throw the ball down the field, they're going to start stacking the box. And I don't care who you've got back there. I mean, Makai Becton and that offensive line, they're much improved this year from last year. But 
once teams start stacking the box on you, you have to make them pay. You have to get, you know, 15, 20 yard passes every now and then. And that's just something that they're not able to do right now. But, you know, in a recap, I will say proud of this team. I'm proud of, of the progress that they made, proud of their bounce back from last year. A long way to go, but it, it, it was a positive night. I, I, will, I will say that. I think it was a positive night and a step in the right direction. I agree completely. I mean, I texted you several times during the game and tweeted at you and everything. You know, it was, you know, the dumb and dumber thing. So you're saying there's a chance because <laughs> yeah. I mean, Louisville was right there, man. The game was right there for them in the first half. Uh, it, it really surprised me uh, with the way their defense was last year. I mean, Kentucky just they could have scored a thousand if they wanted. I did not expect their defense to come out and play Notre Dame like they did. They made Ian, Ian Book look. Uh, Look, very average. I mean, I mean, very average. They they done pretty good. Uh, you know, pass didn't have a bad game. But like I said, he's got to do something to stretch the field. He had 134 passing yards is all he had. They're going to stack the box, like you said. Uh, running the ball, he had 67 ru- rushing yards, which is good for a quarterback. But the three fumbles, you just can't do. And I have never, I've never in my life seen a game where there's back to back to back fumbles. In a game in my life, it's like nobody wanted the ball. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm watching that, and this is God's honest truth. When Louisville fumbled it the first time, and Notre Dame got the ball, I had this feeling. I'm like, something's about to happen. And then they fumbled it and gave it right back to Louisville, and I'm like, all right. So I start getting optimistic. I'm like, there's a little over a minute to go. They're gonna try to stretch. They're gonna try to score here. What are they going to try to do? Should they be safe? Get into halftime with a 14-14 tie? This, you know, this is running through my head. And then, then they fumble it and give it back, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? I mean, I took it well in stride just because my expectations were low. But, I mean, I think I even tweeted out, I'm like, this is just a tease. Like, I'm trying not to get hopeful that they could actually win this game because it's 14 to 14, but I'd be lying if I said it didn't cross my mind because it did. It crossed my mind. I'm like, could this happen? Could this happen? And then fumble, fumble, fumble. Notre Dame scores, and I'm just defeated. I'm just sitting on the couch during halftime just staring off into nothing, and I'm like, this game's over. I mean, there's just no way they come back from this. Well, the the two biggest takeaways for me would be the defense. You know, that I was surprised about what they was able to do. Uh, now, they had a hard time stopping the run. Notre Dame was running the ball pretty pretty handily there for a while. But Louisville's run, running game looked pretty good. Hawkins had 122 rushing yards. Hall had 69, and Pass had 67. Uh, but so man, I thought that looked good. But one guy that Louisville has that I think is going to be hard for people to handle. Little bitty guy listed five nine. There's no way the kid's five nine. Five nine and 153 pounds is two two Atwell. Man, that kid is lightning fast. And if, if he gets out in the open, dude, he's gonna he's gonna be hard to handle. Yeah, two two Atwell. I mean, he's he's their speedy slot guy, which is crazy because. Dawkins and Fitzpatrick both are really they were really uh good receivers as far as like I think Dawkins comes in at like six four, six three or six four. Fitzpatrick's the same. I mean they're both good outside receivers. 
But yeah, I mean, Tutu Atwell was the man uh, in that spot last night. I mean, he he was definitely your guy. Um, but like you said, he's a speed demon. I expect Fitzpatrick and Dawkins to play better. Dawkins had that that first catch right in the very first one, the back shoulder throw to the left side. That was Dawkins, and then he just kind of went quiet after that. And I don't even think I don't think Fitzpatrick really even got going. I think he made one catch that I remember last night. Of course, there wasn't too many to go around, but I, I remember him making a catch in the third or fourth quarter, but that was about it. Um, but yeah. yeah, you've got to figure out a way to get 200 plus passing yards every game on average. I mean, it, you just you have to at this level. There's you're just not going to be able to run it down a team's throat unless you're LSU, you know, or somebody that's recruiting five five-star offensive linemen that's just going to run over people. And even LSU's seen that that's not working. I mean, they're modifying their offense this year, so. I, I, well, I had two standouts first. Hawkins, obviously, with 122 rushing yards. And on defense, man, I hate seeing – how's a yeast on the Louisville team? How's Craig Yeast's boy playing for University of Louisville? But he was a leading tackler for Louisville with seven tackles. He tied with Okiku, Okiki, who I thought done pretty good, had seven tackles and a sack. But the question I had for you, 134 passing yards, man. I know pass is the guy, he, but if that, if that can – that, that, if that becomes a trend where he's getting less than, you know, around 150 a game passing and they're still struggling, if Cade uh, can get uh, – Cunningham can get healthy, do we see him? Do you think we see him before the year's over? I think if this continues, I think you might. But don't be shocked if you see them try Evan Conley, the, the freshman that Satterfield recruited at Ab State. He's more – you know, he he's more of a – of a thrower. I mean, he's got a little bit of athleticism. He, he wasn't highly recruited. I think Louisville was his only power five offer, but at the same time, like I wouldn't be shocked to see him try all three guys. If, if, if pass doesn't step up and take this job, I mean, just absolutely put a stranglehold on it. I think you probably see all three guys before the year's out, unless Cunningham just comes in and sets the world on fire, but he just, he doesn't have the arm to play on this level. I mean, he can come in and be, uh, I would, I wouldn't be shocked to see him come in on some, you know, wildcat packages, kind of mix it up a little bit, some read option plays. But as far as, you know, every down quarterback, I, I think, I think Puma is probably the guy. He has to be the guy. God, that hurts me to say, but, we got talent coming in. We got Chubba Purdy coming in from Arizona next year. Going four-star <laughs> freshman quarterback. Already my favorite player, and he isn't even on this roster. So the future is bright, I think, with Satterfield. I, Satterfield really impressed me with how much he's improved this team from the last time I seen him play last year to the, the first game week one this year because essentially – that's the same team. I mean, you lose a few pieces, but it's essentially the same team. I don't think they, I don't think they played one true freshman last night on the Louisville side of the ball. That if they did, I it it snuck past me. I didn't see it. I know you had to notice the all the shots the announcers was taking at Bobby man from last year. They talked about the complete. They was taking shots at Bobby without actually mentioning Bobby. 
They talked about how much the culture has changed at Louisville. And it was just – it was constant talking about how much different this team looks under Satterfield. Uh, and it's – and you, you don't have to say Bob Petrino's name without knowing it's what they was referring to. But, I mean, the, the, the whole aspect of it looks different. The players got different mindset. You can tell they're happier to be there. I mean, everything. So I, I think it's a uh, step in the right direction for Louisville without question. And what you just said about the quarterbacks, you know, would make sense if he gave that freshman a chance because that is Satterfield's guy. Satterfield recruited this guy. So if the other ones are struggling a little bit, then why not give your guy a chance? I could see that. If pass continues to struggle throwing the ball down the field, I mean, you, there's just no if, ands, or buts about it especially when you get an ACC play, you have to get the ball down the field. Like the next two weeks when they play Eastern and Western, that's going to be, that's going to tell the tale. If pass can put some yards on the board this next couple weeks, show some improvement down the field, I think it's his job to lose. But if he struggles against Eastern and Western, uh, don't be surprised to see them shuffling things around a quarterback heading into week four. Well, what do you uh, – I predict the over on Kentucky's over and under. What do you predict on Louisville's? I predict the under. The over-under on the Louisville-Eastern game is 24-and-a-half. I'll take the under on that just because Louisville has to show me that they can do this week in and week out. They have to show me that they can run the ball because, let's face it, I mean, I don't care who you're playing. If you've fumbled the ball three or four times, you're not you're not covering a 24-and-a-half point spread. So ball security is a big thing for me, um, showing they can stretch the field a little bit because the Eastern, I mean, they're not great, but they've still got a coaching staff that has a brain, and they're going to look at this game film, and they're going to say, okay, we're out-talented, but we're going to stack the box, and we're going to force Jawan Pass to beat us deep. And if he beats us deep, then so be it. But that's how that's how we're going to play this. If I, I mean, I'm not a football guru, but I have eyes. And if I was formulating a game plan, that's exactly what I would do. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you just said there. And I think this would be a game for Louisville to uh, try to get the passing game going. I mean, you got it's it's you got a chance to do it here. You should have a lot more talent than Eastern. So, if nothing else, just build the confidence. Yeah, that's a big thing with this team. They have Not only are they trying to change the culture, they're trying to rebuild a confidence that was just destroyed last year. I mean, they lost the last eight games of the season, or maybe been 10. Uh, they went 0-8 in the ACC. 0-8 in the ACC, 2-10 overall. Yeah, and every player that's that's – a key contributor on this team was on that team last year. So whether they were red shirt or whether they were an active player, they were on this roster. They experienced uh, Bob Petrino 2.0 falling apart. They experienced seeing the coaching staff completely lose a team. And I'm going to tip my cap to, uh, to uh, the defensive coordinator Brown for getting this defense ready to play. I don't know if, if if Louisville's defense was that much improved or if Notre Dame just underperformed. Like I told you before the before the podcast, I think it's probably a little bit of both, but probably more of the latter. I, I just think Notre Dame didn't look like Notre Dame. I didn't think Ian Book looked like himself. He was missing throws. I mean, his 
his completion percentage wasn't horrible, but even the ones he completed were behind, you know, high throws. His receivers were just making catches. I think it'll be week four before you know. I think Louisville comes in and wins these next two games, but I, I just don't think they're going to cover the spread of 24 and a half. Fair enough. I mean, I, I could see that, especially if they have turnover issues again. I mean, that's that's huge. There's no excuse for turnover issues, right? I mean, just just hold the ball. It, you don't have to be talented to hold on to the ball. Just don't put it on the ground. Play safe. Don't make stupid plays, and you win these next two games handily. Well, if you listened, if if you guys listened to our uh, live thing on Instagram that I done, I said about uh, Chris Rodriguez for Kentucky who fumbled it twice, the running back. Uh, and apparently Puma passing is do the same thing. We need to go the old program. I know you know the movie I'm talking about, the program. You've seen it, right? Yeah, I've seen it. It's one of the the one where they lay in the middle of the highway. They You can't even find that movie with that scene in it anymore. No, but they make him carry the ball to class and everything. And if any of the players take the ball from him to take the coach, he gets in all kinds of trouble. Pass and Rodriguez needs to have the ball with him. <laughs> yeah. They're not freaking thing. Hey, I'm all for that. I, if Scott Satterfield, if you happen to listen to this, take that to heart. Let's let's go old school with this one. Yeah, there, there's no excuse for turnovers. I mean, that's an absolute no excuse. Sometimes they're going to happen, I get it, but three fumbles in a game, that's that's crazy. Especially fumbles. Like interceptions, you make a wrong read, you don't see a guy. You know, that happens once or twice, even on the professional level. That's that's you know that happens, but to fumble the ball, I mean, you see the occasional helmet on the ball, and there's you know that's just a fluke thing, but to just just fumble the ball, I mean, for no reason, bad snaps, switching ball carrier arms in the middle of a spin move, like these are just fundamental things that can be fixed and should be fixed, and I don't think it's coaching. I think it's just lack of focus, and once that first one happens with the year they had last year, with the confidence shaking, I'm sure they're inside their own head about it. It's just going to take some time to get over, and I thought Satterfield handled it well by saying there was a lot of good things, there was a lot of good things to build on, but there was a long way to go. I thought that was the perfect response. Oh, man, You, you talking about Satterfield saying that. Again, I got to take a shot at Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Pruitt talked about how he saw some really great things on both sides of the ball that they could take from it. How are you going to take anything good from getting beat by Georgia State, man? That's that's almost as bad as Butch Jones saying that's okay that they lost because of the champions of life. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not a big UT fan at all. I I have no skin in this game whatsoever. But I, I, I've watched UT the last couple of years off and on, and I will say this. They need a quarterback. They just need a quarterback. They need somebody that can throw the ball. I mean, thank you. I will put him, I will put JG and Pass on the same level of throwing the ball right now. I mean, that's how bad he looked when I turned the – I mean, I didn't watch the first half, so – but as soon as you texted me and said that Tennessee was down to Georgia State in the third quarter, I immediately turned it on. And from that <laughs> point on, he just looked like trash. I mean, even the throws that he was making, he was locking on receivers and telegraphing his passes. And I'm like, man, you are 
not good. How do you in, how do you become a program like Tennessee? You're a recruiter like Jeremy Pruitt, who comes from Alabama. You know he's got ties all over the South, and you can, that's that's the best you can put on the field in year two. That's the best you can put on the field. I mean, give me a break. Go out there and get somebody that can throw the ball. I can pull somebody out of the stands that could probably do better than him. Don't don't even get me started on the SEC preseason quarterback rankings again. Remember how mad I got about Garantano being rated ahead of Terry Wilson. Terry Wilson's not a world beater. I said I'd have him about seventh or eighth. But they had Garantano ranked seventh in the SEC. That dude is not a good quarterback. I'm sorry. I know he has to run for his life because their offensive line's horrible, which I don't get. They've had they got five star recruits on that offensive line. But man, he is not a good quarterback. They can it's just like with Jake Bentley at South Carolina. They built him up year after year how he was going to be so good. Stop building these guys up. Let them prove it on the darn field. But man, I I don't know what I don't know what they're doing. And with Tennessee, even me, I thought they'd have a good year. I, you know, it's Tennessee. It's like Kentucky basketball. We was down under Gillespie, but I knew it wouldn't stay down because it traditionally we're a basketball team, a powerhouse. Tennessee traditionally is a football powerhouse, man. But I'm starting to wonder, are they ever going to get it back? Are they ever going to be relevant again? Um, you know, I thought they would for it. I know it's just his second year. People calling to fire him already are crazy. Give him time. But, but man, they've had top 15 recruiting classes every year, and there's they're still a laughing stock. As a matter of fact, right now they're the main laughing stock of college football, and I'm here for every freaking second of it. I think the best part. I mean, I I don't want to get off on a tangent about UT, but we kind of already are. So let's just go with it. I think the best part is. <laughs> Paying somebody a million dollars to come stick it in you like that. I mean, excuse my language, but there's no other term for it. Dude, I would have come done it for 940000 They could have saved $10,000 and I would have come down there and done that. That's, but heck, I love it. But you know what the worst part is on a serious note here? I think they have a issue internally in that school. Uh, there was, they, they had players sharing Instagram uh, stories. After the game, them out partying. I mean, walking the streets part at parties and this and that, and not caring. Uh, somebody made a video. I forget what movie it was from, but it's a pimp walking into his place and he's doing a little pimp walk and doing a little dance thing. And they said Georgia State walking into Neyland State would get their nine hundred fifty thousand dollars for beating Tennessee. And one of the Tennessee players tweeted, "You got to admit this is kind of funny, dude. If I was his coach, I'm like, you ain't allowed to tweet no more this year. Your tweeter is gone." Did you just say your tweeter? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. I'm talking football now. I'm talking, uh, what was that movie? Oh, yeah, Varsity Blues. Twitter. Yeah. There you go. Wide receiver. Oh, that, that just made my day right there. All right, we're going we're gonna to get off of UT because we already know Georgia State's been all over them. So let's shift a little bit of basketball before we close the show out. I know you wanted to talk some UK recruiting. Greg Brown, Terrence Clark news coming out. I'm going to let you take this. All right, it ain't breaking news and ain't nothing massive, but it is news. Uh, Corey Evans has predicted now, which he had already logged a crystal ball pick for uh, Terrence Clark to come to Kentucky. But now he's predicting, you know, pretty much saying it's happening. That he thinks uh, Clark ends up at UK and he expects him to go ahead and reclassify. I know that's something they've been looking at. And they said, you know, he's got a lot of work to do in it, but he says he thinks it will get done. Uh, that both sides are wanting it to get done. He thinks it's going to happen. The one thing he says that I don't really agree with, and I've seen that Jack uh, Pilgrim is on the same boat as me on that one, 
He's saying that if he does request final commitment to Kentucky, it might push away Christopher. I would say it would push away uh, Jalen Green more than Christopher because Green and him plays more of the same type. Christopher's more of a point guard or a small or shooting guard slash point guard, where Green and Clark are both, you know, shooting guard, small forward type. Uh, but you know that's that's a big thing, and there's now an official visit scheduled by Greg Brown to UK from January the 10th to the 12th. The thing about him is he released a top uh, a top a list of his top schools. Kentucky wasn't even listed, and then all of a sudden when he trimmed his list, Kentucky was listed. Then Kentucky had offered. Now he's a scheduled a, an official visit. He's a kid out of Texas. Texas was uh, was receiving 100% of his crystal ball predictions. But I think that's about to change. I think it's going to come down between Kentucky and Texas for this kid. He is the top-rated power forward in the country for next year in the 2020 class. He is a consensus top-10 uh, recruit. Recruiting news this time of year, I mean, we really are getting ready to ramp up in the fall signing period. Do you expect any of these guys to sign early, or are they going to both wait till the spring? I think Brown probably waits. Now, Clark – I think he has to wait, really, because if he reclassifies, I think it would be the spring before he can reclassify. So if he's got to re- can't reclassify to then, I don't think he can sign early, can he? Because he'll technically still be a junior. But now he is set to make his announcement, his uh, commitment on the 14th. So, I mean, you've got uh, less than two weeks now, and Terrence Clark is going to make his announcement of where he is going to attend college. Okay. That's what I meant as far as verbal, where he intends to go. So yeah, definitely will. And I think he's at I, like I've said before. I think he's at one at Kentucky, especially if he reclassifies. So let me clarify this: Terrence Clark has said that on September 14th that he is going to announce his decision on where he's going to go. Okay. Yes. I think okay. that's the biggest thing about him uh, saying he's going to reclassify and all the other stuff that come out. You know, last podcast we had talked about. I think that's why the timing is so important. Uh, and that's another reason I think it points to Kentucky. Well, crystal ball predictions have been going UK's way, so we will see in less than two weeks where Terrence Clark lands. And if he lands in Kentucky and they stack him on top of B.J. Boston, look out because this team is going to be as advertised because those two guys don't mess around. Uh, as a little fan, that scares me to death. But at the same time, Kentucky's not the only team on the schedule next year, so we'll just take it as it comes. Mark my words. Like I said, guys, this is going to be an insane recruiting class, and Derek hates it, but Isaiah Jackson, you know, is on campus, and I think that's going to be another one to look out for. I hope Greg Brown does commit, just so you don't get Isaiah Jackson. I mean, as as bad as that sounds, because Greg Brown is better, I just don't want Isaiah Jackson – like. That would hurt me because I've got a – I'm not going to lie. I've got a little bit of man crush on Isaiah Jackson because he reminds me so much of Earl Clark. But, yeah, don't want to see that at all. Don't want to see that. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on basketball because I don't want to take away – it is football season, but, you know, we got to touch on the news. But we uh, – I just want to get the fans involved more this week. We had, like, what was it, 300-something votes on our poll last week? I yeah. want to get – yeah, I want to get at least 500 this week. Let's see if we can do that. You guys that listens, please get on there and vote. You know, And if, if you've got a score prediction yourself, let it be known. And if your score prediction is right or if it's the closest one, we'll make sure to mention it. We'll mention your name and everything on here on next week's podcast about it. Let's, let's, we want to get you involved as much as, much as we can. Yeah, we look out for some more polls. Um, 
we we may post the UK over and under and the Louisville over and under and let you guys weigh in on that. Uh, I, I like Twitter polls. I know Dustin does too. It gives us not only good interaction with you guys, but it also gives us talking points on the show. So that's a win-win. So look for some more polls this week, definitely. Let's switch gears a little bit. To, we'll talk a little bit of Louisville basketball. This past weekend, um, they had an open scrimmage to the public, and coaches weren't allowed to be there. Uh, it was just an open scrimmage put on by the players. But they said uh, Sammy Williamson looks as advertised. He's very smooth. He's put on some muscle. And they had recruits on campus, uh, Josh Hall, Zach Loveday, and um, Devin Askew. All three participated in the scrimmage. All three were on campus this weekend. So uh, Devin Askew currently is a five-star recruit from the class of 21. Loveday is four-star center from the class of 2020. And who was the other one that I mentioned? Uh, Josh Uh, Hall. Josh Hall, uh, five-star, class of 2020. So uh, some big recruits on campus. Josh Hall is actually – or Louisville is the leader for his commitment as far as crystal balls goes right now. But September is getting ready to ramp up recruiting-wise. They've got some big names coming on campus. Louisville Live happens on the 27th. Um, If you're not familiar with what Louisville Live is, it's basically – Louisville's version of Big Blue Madness. It's not the same level. Uh, they do it outside uh, on a court downtown. It's it's kind of a big deal as far as, you know, especially compared to what they used to do. But let me just run down some names here. Namari Burnett um, is going to be on campus the 13th for an official. He's a five-star guard, class of 2020, a bit of a combo guard. He can play the point. Cam Hayes currently is a 2021 five-star guard. Probably going to reclassify. He's big on Louisville right now. He's going to be on campus the 20th. Devion Smith, a little bit of an undersized guard, four-star guard. Uh, He's going to be on campus the 13th. But the big weekend is the 27th. You've got Caleb Love, five-star guard. DJ Stewart, five-star guard. And... Breakfield, Jermaine Breakfield, five-star forward. All three are going to be present at Louisville Live on the 27th. The big thing with Caleb Love is this. Before he gets to Louisville Live, he will be on an official to Indiana and an official to North Carolina. If you can get Caleb Love at Louisville Live uncommitted after taking officials to Indiana and North Carolina, that's a win. Uh, DJ Stewart... Duke is still considered probably the favorite. Texas is right there. It it looks like a three-headed race between Texas, Duke, and Louisville. Uh, Breakfield, it's it, the Michigan and Michigan State schools are there along with Louisville, but he's good friends with Quinn Slazinski, who's a freshman on Louisville's campus right now. So there's a lot of good players that Louisville's high in on for the class of 20. Uh, 2020 and 2021 uh, both of the guys that they're high on for 2021 could reclassify uh, and I think it just depends on who they get and how they're going to bring them but uh, Devin Askew the guy that was on campus last this past weekend 
I won't say it's a pretty much a done deal, but as of right now, Louisville holds 100% of his crystal ball selections. And he's a five-star guard. Excited about that. So if they can land two or three of these guys, I mean, that's a shift in the tide compared to where Rick Pitino had their recruiting classes. There's never been a one-and-done come through Louisville since I've been a fan. Speaking of Askew, though, uh, that's another guy Corey Evans was talking about, and he said he kind of expects him to look at reclassifying as well. Yeah, that that is that is something. Uh, Devin Askew is one of those guys that it's almost uh, a done deal that he's going to reclassify. I think the, the same can be said about uh, Cam Hayes. We'll wait and see what happens with these guys. Burnett's a combo guard. DJ Stewart, he plays point guard, but he can play combo. Both of those guys can play off the ball. I'd love to see them get one of those guys plus somebody like Love or Cam Hayes or even Devin Askew. I mean, you get a combination of, you know, a couple of those guys plus, you know, a Breakfield or or somebody, or an Isaiah Jackson, fingers crossed. Uh, that That is by far the best recruiting class that Louisville's ever had. I have high hopes for this next class. The only thing that could slow them down would be the NCAA investigations. If something breaks loose on that, that could go sour really quick. I hope that doesn't happen. But as of right now, some really big names, some really high prospects they're in on. And if they can land a combo guard, a point guard, and a a forward, somebody that can kind of step in and help stem the tide when uh, Jordan Ward goes and maybe a center like Loveday. Uh, I'm not big on Love Day, but as of right now, he's a seven footer. Just need a body, and I know, I know it's not UK. It's never going to be one and done. You, but when that's you start putting right. five stars on Louisville's campus and and get them committed, that's a big win for Chris Mack. That, that's definitely, you know, recruiting is going to pick up for Louisville under Mack. Uh, I said that to start with, but now with that and, and Askew's situation there, I think you may see Kentucky start really ramping up on him again. They're not really recruiting any point guards. And one point guard they'd even talked to was Nick's, who they didn't even offer a scholarship. And I think if he is going to reclassify, I think you might see Kentucky step in there. You might have a battle between Kentucky and Louisville for a basketball guy. Oh, Lord, don't say that. It's never went our way. Ever. <laughs> you got to sometime, though, right? I mean, Kentucky hadn't beat Florida in 31 years, and we beat them last year. So, I mean, eventually it's got to go your way somewhere. Let us get one good class before we start this recruiting battle. Let us just get one good class. One one-and-done guy. You know, somebody like Caleb Love or DJ Stewart or Burnett or whoever. One one-and-done guy. One top three class. And then we'll start the competition. Let us well, get I, on that level first. Come on now. I could be wrong, and I'm sorry, but I, I've also read in a few places that you may see Kentucky and Askew start really picking up the uh, the recruitment for between those two Kentucky and Askew. So I hate to say that, and but Louisville, I think Louisville's a favorite for him right now, and they may still they may end up that way afterwards. But I think you're going to start seeing a little battle right there. I think it all depends on whether Askew if Askew stays in in 21. I think that is a negative for Louisville. I think if he is committed to reclassifying the class of 20. I think it'd be really hard for Kentucky to sneak in there, considering who they're in on, who they've got coming on campus, uh, and really sell him on coming in and, and giving him the ball. 
<laughs> I, I think that's going to be the problem with Kentucky. But if he stays in 21, I, I, yeah, Kentucky's going to be a major player. The one thing Kentucky could say is he'd be the only point guard they would take in this class. Uh, but like you said, again, you're going to have quickly, most likely he's still going to be at Kentucky. He'll be a junior at Kentucky next year. Uh, and then Christopher can slide over and play the point if needed. So, you know, uh, Askew will definitely get a lot more uh, run, a lot more time with the ball in his hands at Louisville. So if that's a key to him, that would definitely give them an advantage. Well, the thing about Askew is, is from what everything that I that I read about this scrimmage this past weekend, Askew looked ready to play. Everything I've read said Askew fits in. He looked like he belonged out there. He looks ready to play now. So that's good for Louisville because that's that bodes well for his reclassification. But at the same time, if if Kentucky sees that and they think he can step in and take the ball next year. I don't see him overtaking quickly because I'm like you. I, I think quickly is going to be there for another year. And there's there's no guarantee that that Higgins no. is there for another year. I don't th- I don't think he will be. But at the same time, I didn't think Miles Bridges would come back to Michigan State either. But everything I'm hearing, whether it's UK or Louisville, Devin Askew looks ready to to step in and contribute right away. Yeah, I I, I like Louisville's chances with him there. Uh, you know me. I gotta have something to rant about almost every week. And if you, if it's all right, I don't want to. You know, I don't know if you got something else you want to talk about right now, but I want to rant a little bit about the rankings. Okay. Fire uh, away. How in the how in the world can the coaches poll be so much different than the AP poll? I mean, obviously you're gonna go to me. I would go more with the coaches poll because they're the ones that actually know the football <laughs> compared to the media. But the coaches poll, like the start of the year, had us ranked 31st. Uh. And I think the AP poll had us like in the 40s or 50s. Uh, after week one, the coaches poll has Kentucky 29th, uh, receiving 40 votes for the top 25. But the AP poll, they've not even received a single vote still. Now, I don't, I don't get this. I mean, they still got people like Mississippi State who freaking had to fight for their life to beat Liberty. Uh, you know, teams that they got teams that lost to nobodies ranked ahead of Kentucky still. And I don't understand how there could be that much difference between the coaches poll and the AP poll and again I I will say this until I'm proven wrong it is a biased because Kentucky's not a football school I get that and it's it's they think oh it's Kentucky they're not going to win but this ain't the same Kentucky guys and I'm getting tired of it no Kentucky didn't look like a world beater but you got Florida ranked in the top 10 and uh you can't even give us votes in the AP poll I, I, I just don't get it Polls definitely mean more in football than they do in basketball. But I will say this. With going through the SEC gauntlet that is SEC football, just beat whoever is in front of you, and you'll have no problem climbing the polls. Week one, the AP poll, I mean, there was so much football going on this weekend, so many storylines. The truth is the AP didn't even hardly know Kentucky was playing. I think that's probably the big problem. You had, you know, Jalen Hurts coming out and lighting the world on fire. You had Tua coming out and playing his first game. You had uh, a lot of grad transfers and, and redshirt transfers that were eligible to play right away, like uh, Justin Fields, his first game at Ohio State. You know, so there was there was so much pulling for their attention. I think they just kind of overlooked UK. And uh, to be honest, 
they didn't do anything that was super impressive. Terry but Wilson maybe- was okay. He didn't make any outstanding throws. He didn't make any incredible runs. They just went out there and played solid football, made a couple mistakes, but solid football, and beat a decent Toledo team. That's not going to make headlines. And that's what the AP poll looks for. They look for uh, something to grab their attention. And But like I said, if you just beat whoever's in front of you, climbing the SEC gauntlet, you'll be fine. You'll be in the top 15 again before you know it. Well, I know uh, I can't believe we went almost this whole podcast and you've not brought up how bad the SEC looked as a whole this past weekend. Other than uh, in in the East, the only teams that done anything was Kentucky and Georgia. Uh, Georgia took care of Andy and Kentucky beat, uh, you know, Toledo. Tennessee got beat by nobody. South Carolina got beat by North Carolina and only won three games. Uh, you know, it, the, the list goes on. Uh, Missouri, even though Kelly Bryant passed for 400 yards, they lost to uh, – who was it Missouri lost to? Wyoming. Yep. Yeah, they did yep. lose to Wyoming. Did not look good. Mississippi State barely won. Ole Miss lost to Memphis. Uh, you know, with, with that said, I feel a lot more confident about Kentucky's 8-4, and four, my 8-4 prediction for Kentucky. Kentucky has a chance, dude. We don't play Ole Miss, no, but Tennessee we play. Mississippi State we play. Uh, South Carolina, obviously, who were already on a five-game winning streak against those guys. Uh, I feel pretty confident in Kentucky's chances this year with that. As you should. You know why? Because it's a cake schedule as far as SEC schedules are concerned. We've already had this conversation about how UK just keeps falling on the 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 good side of of scheduling in the SEC. Oh, I don't even talk about it. Hey, yeah, I do. Shut, I do want to talk about it because shut, no, no, no. It, Chance Poor's dad, you and Chance Poor got on this podcast <laughs> last week and talked about how SEC football was on a different level and this and that and the ACC they play a different brand of football. Garbage. Look at All this. Right. Let's put it this way: If Kentucky was in the ACC. I feel confident us winning eight or nine or ten games every year. Put us in the yeah. ACC. Lost so the SEC every year. Every year. No way. The SEC is still tops. No, they didn't have a good weekend, but they're still tops. Auburn beat Oregon. Alabama took care of business. The West took care of business for the most part, besides Ole Miss and Mississippi State. But well, and Arkansas. But we already <laughs> determined it was going to be horrible this year. I've already said that. No, it wasn't a good week for the SEC. It wasn't. But now, don't give me that, that the SEC is still not the best conference. It's, people are catching up, though. And this year, it don't. it's a little worrisome this year. I didn't say that the SEC wasn't the best conference. I never said that. What I said was I was giving you uh, and uh, Chance's dad Lewis. a hard time because of you guys saying that SEC played basically a different game than the rest of the world. Yeah, it is the best conference, but still football. And Mississippi State barely beat Louisiana. Ole Miss lost to Memphis. Arkansas barely beat Portland State. Get out of here. I don't even want to hear that. I mean, you guys go out there and steamroll everybody. I'll eat my words. You know, but until you guys go out there and prove to me that, that you guys are superior, and I'm air-quoting here, superior to every other conference. I don't even want to hear that anymore. Just stop talking about it. 
All right, one question. Do you feel more confident? What do you think? You know, what was your preseason uh, for Kentucky? Did you say seven and five? Is that what you said? Or uh, six? I don't quote me on that, but that sounds right. Do you do you feel they can win more than that now? After the, what's went on week one? No, I don't because I don't think Kentucky proved themselves to be all that, you know, head and shoulders better than anybody else. And I know I'm going to get a lot of hate on this. Bring it on. I don't care. I don't care. I know they won, but they just didn't look impressive to me. Uh, they didn't pass the eye test for me. They just didn't, especially Terry Wilson. He just did not pass the eye test. Okay. But of the SEC teams that didn't look good, and all of them's on Kentucky's schedule for the most part, we played the toughest team of those guys. Georgia State's not better than Toledo. Uh, Portland Portland State's not better than Toledo. Uh, Liberty's not better than Toledo. I mean, the list goes on. I don't think Wyoming, Wyoming and Toledo probably, you know, they're close, I guess. But, you know, while Kentucky didn't look fantastic, it's week one. I'll give them a pass on week one. We still look better than all those other guys playing a better competition. Let's just call it like it is. It's Kentucky football. They'll find a way to poop the bed. It's it. It doesn't matter. They'll find if a way to lose, go seven and five. If we lose to Tennessee this year, I'm gonna lose my freaking mind. <laughs> I didn't say you lose to Tennessee. I said you wouldn't do any better than seven and five. I'm saying that because last year we went ten and three and still found a way to lose to that crappy Orange man. That's the way I feel about it every year when Louisville plays Kentucky in basketball. <laughs> Yeah, but Kentucky's usually good. Tennessee ain't no good. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Speaking of which, we gotta even this rivalry out. Let's go, Red. Gotta gotta pull one out this year. Gotta pull one out. Not happening. December's a long way away. You might change your tune by then. <laughs> That's possible, I guess. But <laughs> even if so, you'll never know it. I'll never I'll never say it aloud. All right, guys, we've rambled on enough about Louisville and UK basketball and football, and we've got into some UT losing to Georgia State. I mean, we went off on a bit of a tangent here. But, you know, that's what we do. That's what makes this podcast fun. I think that's going to do it for episode 18, unless, Dustin, you got anything else. I ain't got much else. I'm just going to get off here and make fun of more of my Tennessee fans. Friends, I guess. Yeah. I bet it's I bet it's a sweet week for you. You're just all smiles down there, aren't you? I got to Yeah, I've got to enjoy it though because somehow or another we always find a way to lose to them. So I'm going to enjoy it for right that, now. Then if we, uh-huh. that's why you'll lose your mind if they lose <laughs> to Tennessee because all the crap you're talking down there in this Georgia State win. If Kentucky manages to poop the bed and lose to Tennessee for the second year in a row, you're not going to be able to show your face. I work at uh, let's see. Seven different stores, four different ones in one area, and then three up here. Two different Walmarts. If Kentucky beats Tennessee this year in football, I'll probably get kicked out of all seven stores. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm fine with that. I don't care. All right. On that note, we're going to call it a night here on episode 18, Battle for the Bluegrass podcast. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter. We're at BFTBG Podcast. Send us listener questions on Twitter, or you can even send them to our Gmail at bftbgpodcast at Gmail. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Dustin's on Twitter. Make sure to get it on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. 
uh, review us, help us to climb the charts a little bit. We're also on Podbean if you have Android. Uh, we may try to expand that to some other platforms in the future, but right now that's the best place to find us. And uh, I guess that's going to do it for episode 18, so stay classy, Kentucky. Kentucky.